Well, I want you to go and take your Bibles and turn to John 15. It's where we're going to be in just a few minutes. John 15, around uh, verse 12, 13. We'll dive into that uh, in just a little bit. But uh, really glad of your response. I, I don't know how that testimony or that video struck you this morning, but a couple things as I watched that, and I've watched it several times. Of course, Daniel's a part of our church. He was here the early service, but boy, just so thankful that God really does and is still transforming lives. Amen. We're thankful for that. Uh, I hope you watched that video and you're struck. And I, if I could just kind of get ahead of myself a little bit, I'm hoping this is what we draw out of this service even today. And and let me just remind you of something that's going to sound incredibly simple, but the gospel really is good news. Now, there's a couple of you that I think agree with that. Roger, thanks for for that. Uh, let me say that again. the The gospel really is good news, right? And without it, just like what Daniel was saying, we're still in darkness. Without the gospel, that is the announcement of what Jesus Christ has fully accomplished and what Jesus Christ has fully done for you. Without the gospel message of who Christ is and what Christ has done, we are still under the wrath of God, but now that wrath has been taken by another. Without the gospel, we are still walking in darkness. Without the gospel, we are still in a place of death. Without the gospel, we have no future, but in Christ, we have light, we have life, we have hope, we have future, we have an inheritance, we have a family. We're not under the wrath of God, we are now children of God. So maybe, maybe you just need to be reminded of that from time to time as God's people. The gospel really is good news. So with that, as a church family today, is a conviction and, and an awareness, and, and that's this. I'll just say it this way. Those who have been transformed by Jesus, and let me just, if you're here and... This is kind of hokey sometimes, but we're going to do it anyway, okay? If you're here and you've been transformed by Jesus Christ, would you just raise your hand or say amen or hallelujah or something? Hallelujah. Great, I love it. Now, with that is this reality. Those who have been transformed by Jesus, and you just raised your hand, you gave testimony of that. You say, you tricked me, didn't you? Well, not really. Those who have been transformed by Jesus, we have the privilege and the responsibility now of making him known. Daniel gave testimony of that on the video you just watched. Daniel's been a believer for three to four months and even from the beginning realized God has done something in my life so incredible. This gospel message is so good. I've got to make it known to my friends. And that's true of every one of us in this room who are followers of Jesus Christ. We have that privilege and we have that responsibility and we have that calling to make him known. So today, this service is going to look a little bit different. I'll just go ahead and set up what we're going to be doing this morning. If you have been a part of Tri-Cities any amount of time, you know what it's like. It's called a, a Go Prayer Service. If you're new, it may be the first time you've done that. But I'm going to share a couple truths from God's Word 
And then we're going to have a few of our elders on stage. We're going to hear from them about what we long for and what we're praying for our church. And then we're going to end in a season of prayer together. Not just, a, you know, not just somebody praying for you, but we're going to break up in groups and individuals. And we're going to pray for those around us that don't know Christ. And we're going to pray for boldness to go out to them. If you're a guest, we, we invite you to be a part of that. If you're here and you're not so sure, you, you may not even believe, be a believer in Jesus yet. We just want you to, to observe and just watch and know you're at a church that cares about those who don't know about life yet that's found in Jesus. We care about that. In fact, we care about it so much we're dedicating a whole service to it today to draw from Scripture and then beg God to give us the boldness to go make Him known to where we live, work, and play, and ultimately the ends of the earth. So that's kind of where we're headed this morning, and you can go ahead and take your Bibles if you haven't already. I want you to look at John 15. We're going to walk through just a few verses here. I'm not going to preach for a long, long time, and I want to draw out a couple truths for you this morning. So let me set up all we're going to say over the next couple minutes this way. Uh, how would you right now define a friend? Or how would you define a loving friendship? Maybe a, maybe a face comes to your mind, maybe, uh, maybe a, someone you're thinking of that's invested in you, and when you hear the word friend or friendship, somebody comes to mind. Maybe you define friendship as someone who's there for me. And maybe you define friendship as someone who I can trust, and that, that's important. Maybe you define friendship as common interest. Man, I've got this friend, and we like, we like going to NASCAR races together, or we like going hunting together, or fishing, whatever it may be. And common interest, that might be important. Or maybe you would say a friend is someone that really loves me unconditionally. All that, all that may be true, and all that's included in our understanding of friendship, but here's, here's really the crux of where we're going this morning how does Jesus Christ himself define friendship for us as followers of his? Because for us, really, the only definition of friendship that matters is, okay, Jesus, how do you define friendship? Because here's the premise this morning. As followers of Christ, we ought to model and demonstrate true loving friendship that is light years beyond what we see in our culture. Right? So Jesus, how do you define friendship? John 15, uh, he, he's gathered his disciples together. Uh, it's, it's the night before he's going to be crucified. He's pouring some really, really important truth into their lives. It's kind of like, I got one more night with you guys before I'm crucified. So he's walking them through some great stuff beginning in chapter 13. But we're going to look at chapter 15. I'm going to begin in verse 5. Jesus says this. He defines the nature of his relationship to his disciples. So for us, you have defined here, okay, what is the nature now of my relationship to the Lord Jesus, to my Father as a disciple of Christ? So he tells us that, verse 5. Jesus says, I am the vine. You say, I'm not into agriculture. I don't really know anything about gardening. I don't know what that means. Well, I'm not into agriculture a lot either. But here, Jesus is he's walking through a vineyard. He's using this metaphor to teach the disciples about the nature of their relationship to him. He says, I am the vine. You are the branches. Now, again, I don't know a lot about a vineyard, but I know there's this, this vine that comes up out of the ground, and that's the source of life. 
So everything, every branch, every grape, every piece of fruit that lives and is connected back to that vine. Every good thing comes from that vine. Jesus says, I'm the vine. You, my disciples, you are branches. Not a branch, not just little individual branches. We're branches. We're lumped together as his people. And everything in you that's of value or that's any good comes through me. I'm the vine. You're the branches. He who abides in me and I in him will bear much fruit. To put it this way, the fruit in the life of any believer is the very life of Jesus Christ flowing through us. That's what Christianity is. It's Christ in us. It's me depending and, and holding fast and clinging to Christ and Him holding to me. And it's this relationship of dependence and His life. Christianity is not a moral improvement plan. Amen? Right. Love it. Christianity is okay, I, I've signed on the dotted line, I'm going to do my best, I'm going to try harder, I'm going to be better. No, 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 it's I can do nothing apart from Jesus, but by faith Christ now lives in me. And it is the life of Christ pressed out through me. Listen, don't settle for anything less than that. Don't settle for a cheapened gospel that says, you be moral, you be good enough, you try harder. No, 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 I'm dead to that. I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, Paul said. Christ lives in me. His life, his power. So Jesus, Jesus here defines the nature, if you will, of our connectedness and our relationship with him. That's what it looks like. And then he goes on and he defines the relationship of the disciples to each other. Verse 12 of chapter 15, he says, This is my commandment that you love one another. And then he says, just as I've loved you. Wow. That's a high standard. I mean, it's, that's, a, that's a supernatural love, by the way. That's an impossible love. It's not you. Okay, I'm going to pull my bootstraps up. I'm going to try hard to love that way. No, the only way we can love like Jesus loved is Jesus loving through us. So he says, listen, guys, I want you to love one another. Supernatural love. And then he goes on and he gives some definition to it. Verse 13. He says, okay, you want to talk about love? Everybody has a definition of love. We, we live in a culture that wants to define love. And, and by the way, we live in a culture that wants to take the word love and drag it through the sewer and diminish the word love and trivialize the word love. Jesus is going to take the idea of love and here he's going to raise it to really a beautiful high view of love here. Listen to what he says. Greater love. Greater love has no one than this. Okay, what is it? That someone laid down his life for his friends. He gives some handles and to, to the idea of love that it's not just this little flippant word or this flippant idea. He says, okay, the chief characteristic of my disciples is your love toward each other, your love to the world. Let me give you an understanding of even what love is. Here's your big truth, number one. Love willingly sacrifices for the good of others. Jesus defines love. So don't trivialize it. Don't make it just some kind of biological response or some kind of tingly feeling that you might have here today, gone tomorrow. He said, greater love has no man than this. That person is willing to lay down his life for the good of another. 
Let me tell you why that's so important for us. It's important for us for a lot of reasons. It's important for us as we read this because, li- listen, I think this is huge for us as a church. Followers of Jesus Christ with Christ living in us are able and we ought, if you will, to be modeling a love in the world that is light years beyond the love that's in our culture. The world ought to be able to look at believers and say, okay, I'm not sure, I I can't define love, but I see love when I see that brother or I see that person. I don't agree with everything they do. There's something about them that's different. Believers ought to be modeling and demonstrating a love that's supernaturally light years beyond what is currently being modeled in our culture. And by the way, I'll just add this as a side note. The love that Jesus is talking about here that we demonstrate toward others has nothing to do with skin color. Amen? You see what's going on in the news. You see what's going on in the country. If there's anything that ought to bring some sanity to this, uh, this ridiculous notion of racial superiority, and I'm calling it ridiculous, it is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because within the gospel of Christ, there is no sense whatsoever of any kind of racial superiority. None. Not black superiority, not white superiority, Christ superiority. And we bow a knee to him. And listen, you want to be able to be a living witness in the world, you model something like that because the gospel compels us. If there's any trace of anything else in us, I pray we bow before the king of heaven and repent of that. It is an affront to the gospel. So Jesus says, there's this love that's modeled to the world. It's Christ in us, willingly sacrificing for the good of others. And then Jesus is going to take it to the next level, okay? So so he redefines love for us. And now he's going to give us an understanding of what it means to truly be a friend. Okay? Okay? John 15, 15, follow along with me. It'll be up on the screen. He says this. He says, no longer do I call you servant. For the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends. Jesus is looking to those disciples that were at one time not followers of his. They're now followers of his. He is now calling them friends. And he says, I'm even going to define for you what I mean when I use the term friend. He said, for all that I've heard from my father, I have made known to you. Now we could just cruise right on through that and miss that but that little word for there is so important it's a it's it's like a defining word he says I'm calling you friends the basis of that the definition of friendship he says is that I've made known to you what I've heard from my father now hang with me Pastor Mike I'm not really sure not, not clear on what you're you're saying there Jesus defines friendship for us Friendship, again, is one of those words in our culture that we trivialize and we, and we remove it to maybe a common interest or maybe I'm there for you from time to time. And that can be all really good stuff. Jesus raises it to the next supernatural level and he defines friendship absolutely for the Jesus follower this way. John 15, 15. All that I've heard from my Father I've made known to you. Therefore, I call you a friend. In the mind of Jesus here, 
The understanding of what Jesus is teaching. He says, Jesus called his disciples friends because he shared with them all that he had heard from the Father. You can think of it this way. In the mind of Jesus, friendship... At its highest level, its clearest understanding for the follower of Christ, friendship is directly equal, if you will, to sharing the truth of who God is. To sharing what he had heard from the Father. In our context, you could say it this way. Friendship is directly equal to making known the gospel of Jesus. It would be be inconceivable to Jesus here to have some relationship with someone that he might call a friend that he had not made known the love of the Father to that person. Translation for us as followers of Christ, it is inconsistent to call something a loving friendship. Love, laying down your life, a a friendship. Jesus defines it, making known the love of the Father. It would be inconceivable for us As followers of Christ, Jesus in me, to have friends and go weeks and months and even years and having never shared the truth of who Jesus Christ is with them. That's the practical application to you and me. So so for us, that's, that's challenging. I'll even give you the second truth here. Let's put it this way. Loving friends make known God's love to their friends. In other words, Jesus, uh, he he redefines love for us. He he takes it infinitely higher, his love. He redefines friendship. He takes it infinitely higher. And let me just say again, as followers of Christ, the world ought to be able to see in our lives an infinitely greater demonstration of a loving friendship. Jesus would say he spent time with his disciples. He walked with his disciples. Man, he even met his disciples' needs. I mean, you imagine being a disciple of Jesus. They were hungry, you know, that time out on the, the hill outside Jer- Jerusalem. and Nobody had any food. There was no McDonald's around. Jesus, you know, miracle. He met their needs. Incredible. They had shared experiences together. He, he was there for them. But Jesus could not have conceived of over a period of time with these his disciples having not shared with them the love of the Father and having not made known with them who he was and the meaning of the cross. He couldn't conceive the friendships having not shared the love of God with those friends. Now, I know what you're thinking. You say, well, Pastor Mike, okay, I get that. And we're reading about Jesus here. And that, that's Jesus. I mean, I get it. He, okay, he, he made known the love of the Father. That, that's how he perfectly modeled love. And how he perfectly modeled friendship. Pastor Mike, that's Jesus. I don't know if that can be me or not. Do you remember what we read back in verse 5 and verse 4? Jesus said this. I'm the vine, you are the branches. You abide in me, watch, and I in you. You'll be bearing much fruit. Apart from me, you can't do anything. In other words, if Christianity really is Jesus Christ in us, we will love like Jesus loved. 
And we will share like Jesus shared. And we will, as we grow, and watch this, and we grow in an appreciation of the gospel that it, it is good news. And we immerse ourselves in scripture and it is the spirit of God that is guiding our lives. Christ in us. We will, watch, we will push back the world's notion of friendship of merely, yes, I'm present. That's a good thing. We share common interests. Yes, that's a good thing. We hang out. Yes, that's a good thing. But in Christ, we take that infinitely higher because Jesus Christ lives within me. I can't conceive of a friendship that I'm not making known the gospel to them. That's what the Bible's teaching us here. That's what the Bible's stretching us to, to reshape how we view friendship and how we understand friendship. We abide in Jesus, we'll love like He loves. As we abide in Jesus, we'll make known what He makes known. It will be inconceivable to us calls to call someone a friend and not be sharing the gospel with that friend. So for us as a church, that's why we're doing what we're doing today. We it's got to be honest, it, maybe you're new or if you've been a part of this church for any amount of time, we take it very seriously. We, we yearn to be that kind of culture here. We call it a share 1515 culture. Maybe you've seen that little tagline around and I, I don't want that to be a program and I don't want that to be some cute little slogan that's taken right from John 1515. And you'll see this around to be a reminder to you and a reminder to me, a reminder to our life groups and a reminder as we gather together to continually remind one another, friends make known the love of God. Let's take seriously by God's power that we model and we hold out to the world what it really means to be a loving friend. Yes, we serve, and yes, we're there, and yes, we meet needs, but it's inconceivable to us that we would do all of that and not make Jesus known. Amen? I know that can be challenging for us. So what, what we want to do this morning is we're going to do a couple things, and I'll just walk you through what the next few minutes is going to look like. When you... Uh, this is we call our go prayer service and just a minute our elders are going to join us up on stage and when you came in or maybe it's in the seat pocket in front of you there's a little card there with uh, with lines on it if you everybody just grab one of those we want everybody to have one of these if you've been a part of tri-cities you know my three names you know that vernacular if you're fairly new you may not know what this is but this is a tool it's simply a tool for us to collectively on a regular basis Challenge one another to say, okay, who are, who are three people in my sphere of influence that I know that do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ? And we want to write those down, and we want to pray for those, and we want to share these in our life group. Now, I want to ask the elders to come on up and join me on stage. Our uh, team is going to come on up in just a minute, too. But again, the service is not over. We're just transitioning a little bit. One thing I want to show you is along with these three names, and you're going to record these in just a minute, uh, you'll see another name down at the bottom, and you say, well, who's this Cornelius guy? I don't know anybody named Cornelius. Well, if you remember a few weeks ago as we walked through the book of Acts, Acts chapter 10, there was a situation with a dude named Cornelius, and you say, okay, I, I, I still don't get it. What's that have to do with me? Well, we're putting this here as a reminder that not only not only do we want to keep in front of us to share the gospel, those that we know that live where we live and where we work and where we play. Cornelius represents those people you haven't met yet. Cornelius in your life represents those people that, that you may have to go to them. It, it may be 
crossing, it may be a, a, a server or a waiter at a restaurant that you haven't met. It may be crossing the street to a neighbor you haven't met. It may be someone on the ends of the earth, the other side of the world that you've never met yet. And God puts a burden on your heart. God opens the door for you and you take the gospel to them. That's what Peter did in Acts 10 with Cornelius. God opened the door. God began to work on Cornelius' heart. And God was so clear to Peter, you're going to go to him. You're going to cross some barriers. It's going to be outside of your regular schedule. He's a Gentile and you're a Jew. You're going to cross some racial barriers. So for us, that's the idea of Cornelius. Those people we haven't even met yet. But we're praying. God, lead us to those people in our lives. So I thought it'd be really important this morning for you to hear from uh, your elders. We have two of them up here on stage. We have Pastor Daniel and Pastor Jeff. And glad for them to join us this morning. And uh, I want you to be able to hear from the heart of your leadership. Uh, we serve alongside these men. It's an honor to serve alongside with these men as fellow elders. And, and I wanted you to be able to hear from them a little bit what, what we really long for for our church. There's areas that we want to grow in, and there's areas that we want to continue to, to grow in, and there's some areas that we need to grow in. But I want you to hear their heart, and I'll, this is not scripted. We, we, we have gone through it once at 9.30, but we didn't write out our responses or anything. I want you to have the benefit of hearing from the heart of your leadership this morning. So guys, a couple questions for you all, kind of what we've been sharing. Um, we all feel, I guess, a little bit of the weight, maybe the challenge of it. It's... It's irrefutable in Scripture. Listen, Jesus said, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. He redefines friendship. We're to make known. But there's obstacles to that. I mean, this only, there's obstacles in my life. It's challenging in our lives. We're followers of Christ. Help us get our hands around. What are some of those obstacles that maybe keep us and hinder us from making known the love of God like we've talked about this morning? Jeff? I'll go first since I have the mic, and like you said, you guys, if you know me and Daniel, you know this is probably definitely not scripted, <laughs> but uh, we want this to be helpful to you as a church, and you know, when you talk about obstacles, it becomes kind of personal, right? It's like really their excuses, and I thought our culture here teaches us to make nice excuses, right? And we kind of say these things, we kind of nod about it and agree, in the back of our minds, it's probably, you know, that's really wrong. We probably should be pushing each other more, and... So obstacles for me, uh, there, there's a lot, but I think part of it is we can be really selfish with our time. And I know this sounds interesting, but I think we get so busy doing things. Now, we have to go to school. We have to go to work. We, we have to do those things in the care of our family. But, but we can become so consumed in a culture that says, be busy, wear yourself out, go here, go there, do all these things with your kids, that we lose sight of the lostness around us. And God has placed us like in a field of work in school and, and ministry here in the Tri-Cities where people every day need to hear the gospel. So I think somehow we have to challenge each other to, I guess, be less busy and, and look at the need to spread uh, the gospel uh, to people. So, so I think an obstacle is just the culture of busyness. And it's not that we, I don't think we're lazy. I think we'll all go hard and we'll work hard, but, but our, we don't want our badge of honor to be how busy I am, but we are missing people that need to hear about Jesus. So, so a true friend kind of says, hey, I'm going to slow down some of these things that really don't matter for eternity, and I'm going to care enough about you to talk about the gospel, then I'm going to go to you. And then one other one would be just uh, moving past kind of superficial stuff and, and kind of superficial conversation and saying, 
I love you enough to talk about the gospel. I love enough to call you to repent. I love enough to be bold to, to share that with you and, and not just talk about kind of these superficial yeah. things. So I think, I think for yeah. me personally, that, that's a challenge is not to be so busy yeah. and not be so superficial. Yeah, I just add to that really quick, Daniel, you can chime in too. I think sometimes we think, okay, can I do gospel ministry and make Jesus known or can I be on a soccer team or can I be on a football team? Well, the answer is yes. It's going about these things in our life with gospel intentionality and saying, yes, I'm doing these things. They're secondary to making Jesus known. It's not like, okay, i got to do all this. Which, no, live life with gospel intentionality where God places us to make him known. That's huge. Daniel, what would you add? Yeah, I think our focus uh, is maybe a little bit more on the hardship, the discomfort, um, the pain, and not on the joy. Yeah. Uh, I mean, if you... Guys, it should be joyful to make Jesus known. Yeah. I mean, we're the branches. He's the vine, right? So everything that is good in our life, everything, everything that has purpose and meaning flows through the vine. That means our joy is 100% connected to our relationship with Jesus. It's, it's him. And that's also true for everyone else. So I think what happens is we, we want to focus on the discomfort, on the hardship, and it, it, I think it just messes with the way we approach it, and it robs us of our joy. Let me give you an example of what I'm talking about. So ask any mom, I mean any mom, um, ask her about what it's like to bring life into this world, and she will tell you it's painful. Ask her what it's like to raise that two, three-year-old. And she will tell you it will demand more sacrifice than anything else in her life. It will cost her her time, right? And keep going through the list. But ask her, what have you found the most joy? What do you find the most fulfillment in? And high on that list is going to be her children. Yeah. See, if we just focus on the pain, if we just focus on the hardship, on the discomfort, we would rob ourselves of such a great joy. Something as simple as parenting, and we understand that there. I think we, we so intimidate ourselves with those other things, those temporary discomforts, that we rob ourselves of the joy of the experience of sharing the gospel. Yeah, and so I, I think if we can shift our that's focus, good. I think we find joy in it, and we don't leave this room just burdened and convicted, but we leave this room going, this is awesome that I get to be part of this. Yeah, and you see that in Acts. I mean, we've been walking through Acts, not only joy that they got to share Jesus, even when it cost them, even when they were persecuted, they said for the joy, there was joy about that. That's such a great point. Move move past the burden, it's reality, the joy that we have to make Christ known. That's good. Um, So think about it this way. Maybe for some folks, it's a little bit of a, a shift in even thinking about friendship this way. I mean, we allow the culture to define friendship for us. Scripture takes it to an infinitely higher level. How does that challenge our view and maybe even your view and, and help us move towards making Christ known when we see it that way? Yeah, I think definitely what Jesus taught is counterculture, right? We, we as Christians are going to go against how our culture defines friendship. And I think uh, I alluded to this earlier that we have to move past kind of these just knowing things about each other. I think, I think my friends, I know things about them. Uh, and maybe people that I meet, like I, I may know facts, I know your favorite football team or where you like to have coffee. But, but ultimately, really, we need to know if they know Jesus, right? Yeah. Like, like even, I say this sometimes to students, embrace the awkwardness. It's okay to be that person that, that 
brings up Jesus in the conversation. Because, listen, if we don't, as the people of the church, who's going to? Yeah. I mean, our world talks about Jesus, but it's not in a really good way, right? So, so we have to, to, to go to that point and, and talk about it. And, and friendship does mean doing things with other people. It does mean spending time together, even learning uh, for us as a family, being very intentional about hospitality. Uh, not only to, to people in the church, but saying, listen, every Monday night, for example, we're going to plan a dinner, throw something in the crock pot when I leave in the morning, and have a neighbor over to eat with us or somebody that I've met. Like, invite them into mm-hmm. your home around that intimate place of the table. Uh, the kitchen table is a big deal. We've always guarded that as a family, as a, a place we gather. Man, bring people into that. Or Thanksgiving or Christmas. I thought sometimes those are just really simple ways to say, I care so much about you. I want to bring you into my home, and we're going to talk about the things of Scripture, and I'm going to share Jesus with you, and we're going to pray together, and I'm just going to overcome that awkwardness of, of fearful. You may reject me or not like me before a bit, but I care enough about your soul to do that. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Dan, you got anything to add to that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, awkwardness has never killed anybody. I mean, look look at me, right? <laughs> so I, 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 Amy's at this service. You're this. She's agreeing, right? Yeah, but, <laughs> I, I, I think despite that, if I'm just honest with myself, what, I, what it makes me think about and I understand friendship is I recognize my own selfishness because I believe everything I just said, that everything good and everything valuable comes through Jesus. But in those conversations, I am driven so often by being liked and I allow that other person to define friendship. I don't allow God to define friendship, but friendship, like everything else, has an absolute origin that is connected back to its creator. He defines what love is, and what happens is I so want to, I want to be liked by them that I want to work within their definitions rather than try to change them, and what drives me in that is not love. It's not to really be their friend. When I'm really honest with myself, what drives me in that is my own selfishness. And I think that's really convicting, and that's hard for me. And I I fight that in every interaction, I think, with the gospel. Because the gospel in and of itself is confrontational. And I think when you begin to get in that, that that can mess with you. And I, I would just try to remind myself again and again that Jesus defines friendship. That Jesus defines what is love. And I would try to get over my selfishness and my desire to be liked. And I would try to pursue faithfulness and my desire to be loving and to befriend. Man, that's helpful. That's really helpful. Let's wrap it up this way. uh, And then we're going to move to a season of prayer where we're going to pray together as a church. What's your prayer for for our church? Elder, pastor, go pastor, just a part of this church family. Yeah, I think part of my prayer really is we have to go. Like we have to gather well, and we do that, and we have to scatter well. Because, listen, the, the 65% of people in Washington County that are not in church, they're not going to come here just because we have a nice facility. We have to go to them and be their friend and share the gospel with them. It says in Acts, the Lord added to the number daily yeah. those who were being saved. The Greek for that means daily, every day, right? <laughs> like, like, so the church was gathering, and the church was scattering, and they were always talking about Jesus. So, so wow, for, for you guys, do that where you go. There's no division between the secular and the sacred. Sacred, sorry, that was terrible. 
But Eastman is a place where your joy in Jesus can overflow to your coworkers, and East Tennessee State is where your joy can overflow yeah. to your classmates. And, and on staff, we have to go places we don't normally go. And some of us are going to places around the world where people have never heard about Jesus. So, so we go well. That's my prayer, that we, yeah. that we gather, but then we scatter really well for the sake of the gospel. Yeah, that's good. Daniel, won't you share yours and then go ahead and lead us into a time of prayer as a church. I, I would I'd give you three terms. I think the first one is this abiding wisdom to recognize really practically what it means uh, as a church that we would come to an understanding of being the branches and using our life to produce fruit, connecting back to the vine. And I think if we understand that, that'll drive us to the next one, which is an abiding boldness to go out aggressively with love to proclaim Jesus, to make known what has been made known to us through him. And then I think, again, going back to that first point, I think just joy. I, I, guys, that advancement of the gospel yeah. isn't something that's heavy-handed. Anytime we think of someone who is kind of aggressive with the gospel, we think of heavy-handed and kind of mean and something almost condemning. That's not what we want. No. We want joy-filled love. Yeah. That is just an overflowing of saying, look what Jesus has done in my life. He and he alone is the source of joy, and I want you to have that. And I, I pray that would begin to define our church, that we would be a people that has the wisdom to understand what it means to truly be a friend, to truly proclaim Jesus, that we would have the boldness to go out and to seek opportunities and to seek people to share with, and that we would do it out of joy, motivated by love. I think those are... Those are great ways to approach it. Fantastic. Go ahead and lead us into What I'm going to ask you to do is you've got your card. Uh, if you don't have them, there's some in the seat in front of you. If you're out, there should be some around you. If you can't get your hands on one, write it down on another sheet of paper. Do the best you can. There's two sides of the card. One side is so that you can turn into us as a church. So we can just pray over them. If, if you're feeling comfortable, just write their first name. That's okay. We just want to have a way to join you in prayer. And so... Uh, what I'm going to ask you to do right now is I'm going to ask you to think of three names. People that you live, work, and play with. People who might be in your family. They may be a neighbor. They may be a co-worker. They may be someone at your school. But I'm going to ask you to take this time, and I'm going to ask you to very prayerfully and very sincerely ask the Lord to give you three people that between now and the end of this year, that's a long time, between now and the end of this year, you would befriend by making Jesus known and calling them to respond. And so what I'm going to ask you to do is just take a few moments. I'm just going to be silent. There's going to be music in the background. Don't distract anyone, just you. And I want you to write down those names, and I want you to take a minute as you write down each name. And I want you to pray that God would overpower them with the revelation of who he is, that God would save them and bring him back into his family through saving faith in Jesus. And so right now where you sit, if you would, take just a moment, write down those, those three names and individually just pray that God would move in their life. Would you do that now?
I'm going to ask you now to, you can pair up, get in groups of three, four, maybe huddle up as a family, grab someone sitting down the aisle from you, behind you, in front of you. But I want you to get in a small group, again, two, three, four, maybe a family, whatever. And this is all I want you to do. I want you to just say the names, just the first name of the three people that you wrote down. And what I'd like for you to do in that small group is you hear all of those names. Just go around the circle and just mention the names. And then if someone in that group would just lead you in prayer, that you would pray for one another, that we would pray for our church, that we would have opportunity and boldness to make known the love of God to those people. I want you to just take a moment and kind of scan the room and think about between 9.30 and 11 in our Johnson City service. Multiply our people by three and understand how many people can hear the gospel in the next few months. And so just as a means of encouragement, as a means of a little accountability, a means of support, share those three names and pray for your group that God would give you opportunity and boldness to share over the next few months. Would you do that now? your group pray for the boldness and the discernment to go to the Corneliuses maybe the waiter at the restaurant it may be a soul on the other side of the world pray for the discernment and the boldness to go make known what God has made known to us
give us wisdom. Lord, give us the wisdom to know that through you all things are possible. That through you, the names that have been spoken in this place can be redeemed. They too can have peace and joy that can only come through your son, Jesus. Father, give us the wisdom and the faith to move forward, empowered by the vine, empowered by Jesus in our lives. Father, give us opportunities as a church with those that we know and those that we live and work and play with, Lord, those that are around us and our sphere of influence, and Lord, those who we don't know their name yet. Lord, give us opportunity. Father, give us boldness not driven just by obligation, not driven by some sense of ambition, Lord, but just driven out of joy and love. Father, I pray that our church would be defined in our community and around the world with a tenaciousness to love, with a joy in Jesus that cannot help but be spoken and shared. Father, give us. Give us a love to make known the love that you have been made that you have made known to us. Father, send us out. Prepare a harvest. Lord, reveal yourself to the people we care about, the people you care about, and change lives forever. I pray these things in the name of your Son, the name of Jesus, our Savior. Amen.